Welcome back to the Reading Glasses Book Club. My name's Jamie Clare, and I'm here with my wonderful friend, Travis Farner, to discuss A Beautifully Foolish Endeavor, the second book in the Carl series by Hank Green. Uh, I really wish I had a tagline, but I couldn't think of a tagline on the spot. I messed it all up, Travis. Um, but here we are, the Reading Glasses Book Club. Every week, we get together, chat about a wonderful book we're reading over a glass of some delicious beverage. This week, we are drinking a Victory Golden Monkey, the Belgian-style triple ale with added spice. Do you taste the spice, Travis? This is a very strong beer. <laughs> it is. <laughs> it's strong in spice in terms of alcohol. Um, yeah, I'm enjoying it, and I hope our listeners are appreciating the Golden Monkey <laughs> ale, just like Carl was taking the form of the monkey in the well-lit dive bar slash operating room yeah. uh, that April was placed into. So we crawled our way into an abandoned dive bar, found the golden monkey ale on the back shelf, dusted it off, cracked it open, and here we are. And honestly, good thing it's 9.5 because April May needed a strong drink after that endeavor. She did. Absolutely. Oh, boy. Um, yeah, so this is a delicious beer, and since it is, as Travis said, 9.5%, you know that he's going to be quite tipsy by the end of this episode, so <laughs> before that happens, let's get all the important stuff out of the way first. Uh, would you like to give us a little recap on this section of the book? So last week we talked about pages 1 through 99 of A Beautifully Foolish Endeavor, and this week we'll be talking about pages 100 through 202 or 203 or something like that. You know, wherever the chapter ends. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Uh, yeah, so I'll give us a, a quick recap of, of some of the big points uh, that we've seen in this section of the reading. Uh, we first, you know, kind of see that Andy gets invited to join the Thread YouTube channel. Ooh. Um, more to be discussed there. Um, we, of course, see that Miranda has a job interview at Altus. Um, not only that, she kind of learns a little bit about what they are doing. Um, more specifically, right, we find that Altus has found a link between human brains and machines, the same link that the Carls tapped into uh, in their use of the dream. Uh, Miranda is, you know, given a job offer, she accepts and she goes into the Altus space, this kind of virtual reality uh, realm that they are working on. Uh, we see that Maya, right, is... Uh, on the hunt, right, again for April, and much to, at least my surprise, right, she directly runs into April herself. Um, in terms of how specifically that happens, she finds her own copy of the Book of Good Times. We now have two Books of Good Times. Yes. Um, and this is in, it, it really seems like that book was written from the perspective of April, um, but we can we can talk more about that um, in a minute. Um, she, of course, finds April, so we get to interact with April a good bit. April has been kind of rebuilt, so to speak. Much of her face and body has been um, rebuilt by Carl in this dive bar with these same kind of milky white iridescent rocks that Maya was finding at the Cowtown um, flea market. Um, and, you know, after being in a long conversation with Carl, April essentially just gets really upset that her mind has been altered. Not only her body, but her mind has been altered as well. She is very upset and basically storms out of the room um, where Carl has been taking care of her, um, finds 
Maya, and they essentially just start to go on the run together. Um, they borrow a car from their friend Derek, and they just hightail it out as far away as they can get. What I would, well, I'll recap right now, but what I'd like to maybe begin talking about, Jamie, yes, is Carl, right? We see that he has two oh, chapters that's right. um, written from, or I shouldn't even say he, right? Carl, Carl has... Two chapters written from their perspective, um, and we learn a little bit about Carl. More specifically, we have a direct quote that um, Carl is an artificially created planet-spanning consciousness. Not a robot, not an alien, but instead we find that Carl's pieces were created elsewhere, but assembled on Earth. Yeah, that was wild. What? I did not expect that. How could you possibly have expected Carl to be a planet-wide consciousness? I definitely was thinking way too simple about this. And I read that first Carl chapter, which was only a few pages, and I just immediately had to reread it again. Yeah. Because there was so much going on. Um, I think one of the things that you mentioned in our last episode, Jamie, was you were looking for a bit more difference in the writing style and the perspectives right from each of these characters and the writing of the Charles the, of the Carl chapters incredibly different from from everything else that we've seen in this book and you know to be honest we've read two chapters from the perspective of Carl but I'm still left kind of like wanting more information there's so much that we need to dive into and discuss yeah about the car we were chapters. originally going to stop this section at page 200 but then we saw that the next chapter was written by carl so we just had to read one more chapter you can't get mad at us for that sometimes you got to read more chapters it was too good that we could not stop. we can't put this book down yeah it was it was really 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 good yeah i was so intrigued as soon as I saw one that April had a chapter that she was going to be the narrator for a chapter, I was excited to get April back. And then when the next chapter was Carl, right, I was so excited. And yeah, like we were saying, absolutely no, did not expect that Carl was not an alien, not a robot, but some planet-wide consciousness who exists for the purpose of saving humanity. Which has been something that we've been discussing since the beginning of book one. What is right. the purpose of Carl? Right. Were they sent here to hurt humanity, help humanity? We've kind of been hoping all along that April was right and that the Carls were here for the benefit of mankind. And I guess yep. now we get confirmation that that's his sole, sorry, that's their sole purpose is to aid in the uh, pers uh, 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 preservation, that's the word, aid in right. the preservation of life on earth yeah to take it a step further um right we see that carl particularly right is interested in the not so much like the biological species of humanity because carl goes on to describe that life is present everywhere in the universe but there's something really particular right about the ideas and the interconnectedness of those ideas through human minds that Carl particularly, right, is most interested in preserving. Um, to, to reiterate that point of what you said, right, we finally know like why Carl is here. I'm just going to read a section from the book because I just thought it was so good, yeah, right, in describing that. So I'm reading from uh, one of these Carl chapters, um, and we said this, and I really like the way it was phrased. This is Carl writing. Carl says, you know where you came from, but you don't know why you exist. 
I've got that flipped. I have no idea who built me or who sent me here, but I do know exactly what I'm here for. I was sent here in pieces to self-assemble and then mutualistically infect your planet because without me, fascinating and beautiful system would have a low probability of self-correcting to sustainability. In other words, someone somewhere was pretty sure you were going to destroy yourself and they felt like you were worth saving, so they sent me. Now we have more questions. There's just more questions. Who sent Arl? Yeah. Any ideas? Of course not. (laughs) (laughs) But it has to bring to your mind, right? There's some other... I mean, I guess Carl already blatantly states the obvious. There's other life in the universe. Yeah. But then... There's sentient, empathetic life in the universe. Well, is it... That's a good question. Is it empathetic? Or is it... Are they still evil? Are they still trying to conquer humanity? But they need humans to... Right survive long enough to build up their civilization to the point that they're worth conquering. So I'm in, I guess I, we still have all the same questions that we've always had. <laughs> I'm inclined to think that whoever sent Carl is good, but we don't necessarily know that. And I guess one of the reasons I say that, right, is because, you know, Carl makes this big deal, right, that it's collections of ideas and it's the interconnected minds and consciousness that is rare and fragile and must be protected but that's not necessarily anything inherent to life that carl is trying to preserve about the human race is it just our good (laughs) ideas right like that yeah that leaves a little bit of of question in my mind and the question is also brought up with the very last thing that carl says in this chapter On page 203, Carl says, In my fourth awakening, I realized I was built to love you, all of you, and I was ravaged with grief as I understood the extent of the pain I would soon cause. Cryptic. So there's something ominous, and Hank Green keeps bringing back these, like, wisdom of the future. The the stories are being told from the narrators in the future reminiscing about the events that have occurred. So they have knowledge of what's going to happen before we do, and they keep hinting at how bad things get or how April was hinting at how she's no longer human. Mm -hmm. All the way back, page one of the first book is when April says, I am, or at least was, human. Right. Yeah, what are we left? So that's a really great point about all of the the foreshadowing, for sure, that's taking place. Um, I don't know if all of these foreshadowing moments are really ever going to come to fruition, though, right? Like, for instance, what you were just saying, right? April was at least previously human. Yeah. What is she now? I don't know yeah, if we knows? really know. I, I, my cyborg. best description, yeah, is, is that she's some type of cyborg where she's partly remained human. But again, of course, part of her body has been rebuilt. Yeah. Um, but also her mind has been somehow rebuilt. She now has the ability to interface with radio waves and receive radio signals. Yeah. She has access to information somehow, right? That we see that she's able to know what's on the police scanners. Maybe you could, you know, infer that she's doing that through some she type of radio signal. Wikipedia she- in her mind. Yes. Yes. She also has emotional filters. Right. On her brain that are keeping her calm and leveled out at all times, which, I mean, I think that's probably the main thing that April considers making her not human anymore. Right. Is the fact that she's no longer able to feel the emotions. That she previously felt. Yeah. And I I was kind of conflicted by April's 
return here and this new non-human form of April. I was very excited to have her back because the whole time, book one, we talked she's a very interesting character. Right. Um, But the whole story of the first book was kind of April's adventures in not being perceived as a human anymore. She was Mm -hmm. going through this rise in fame and a big underlying theme of the story was how famous people were no longer perceived as humans, but they were perceived as ideas, concepts, villains, whatever. And I thought it was a really nice metaphor to have April just be no longer human in that she's an icon. Mm -hmm. And so I was a little conflicted when he brought her back as something who is now physically not a human. Uh, Right. But I think maybe we'll have some opportunities to lean into both those ideas a little bit more. So she may not be completely human, but she still does have a lot of human like characteristics and responses. Like she's still somewhat talking, right? Like April and things like that. To a toned down extent. To a toned down. Yeah, that's a good way of putting it. She still likes looking at books with pictures of gardens in them. and (laughs) She likes eating cheeseburgers with her mineral face. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That's a good analysis, though, that you just made. You previously saw some of her humanity kind of taken away as a result of fame. And now we see that part of her humanity has been taken away in her kind of reconstruction made by Laurel. Yeah, she's now embodying what she was afraid of. One thing that I wanted to talk with you about regarding this aspect, right, is we see that April storms out of the dive bar because she's upset, right, at the fact that the Carls have altered her mind. She wasn't particularly that upset about her body, although it took a lot of getting used to, but she was really upset that they altered her mind, right? But one of the things that Carl states in his chapter, right, is that um, they can't force a person to do something because if they were forcing people to do things, then they would essentially be a god. But they're not forcing anyone to do anything. Do you think Carl had April's consent to rebuild her? Or do you think this was a scenario where April was unconscious and she couldn't speak for herself? And so Carl then just did whatever they wanted. This was kind of something that I was kind of toying with in my mind. Like, are we left to assume that April was completely fine with being rebuilt and now she's just upset at what has happened as a result of that? How did you interpret that? Did you put those that, pieces together? No, that's a really How do you good, think about that? That's Jamie? a really interesting thing you picked up on. I I didn't pick up on that, but yeah, you're right. He definitely is actively influencing April in a way that Carl says they're not supposed to do. But maybe he, uh, Carl also talks a lot about how April was the chosen one. Right. So maybe they see April as a puppet, you know. Mm-hmm. Maybe even Carl isn't viewing April as another human who can't be tinkered with. Mm-hmm. Maybe Carl's like, April is a tool to be used for the greater good. And so maybe they're breaking the rules a little bit with April to ensure that their grander plan works. Yeah. I don't know. Supposedly, Carl has run a bunch of simulations, right? And the reason, right, we see in in this section of reading, the reason that they chose April is because out of the simulations that were run, they had the greatest chance of succeeding with whatever that actually means. But they had the greatest chance of success when April was chosen. So maybe there is something... Maybe you're right. Maybe there is something separate about April that they're not um, viewing her on the same level as all other living things. 
so to speak. Um, humans, yeah, I, I don't know exactly, right? Because corals, corals are also using bacteria without their, um, I don't know if I want to use the word consent in the words of bacteria, but they're basically hijacking and parasiting off bacteria to use their machinery to have energy to but do, do all the work that they're doing. Do bacteria have minds That's a good or point. bacteria just right. little things that do things? Science. I guess I guess it's still a gray I guess what I'm trying to get at is it's still to me it seems a gray area as to how much the corals are controlling things and how much the corals are just interacting with things. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, That's still a little like bit of a gray area. Things. Yes. Yeah, it's it's very interesting. Yeah, I'm, uh, that's a, that's that's quite the point you brought up there. I'm they obviously sure. have some insight into what would happen if they did A versus if they did B. Like they have this knowledge and they talk about all the simulations that they've been doing. They also mention, right, like they could tell us how they're using these bacteria to get their energy and do the work that they that they're needing to do. And they say, we could tell you how this happens. It's not that you wouldn't understand it. It's not that your puny brains can't comprehend how we're doing this. But we don't want to give you this information because you would probably just destroy yourselves <laughs> with this information. Right. So they have some knowledge of like the future yeah. and what's how they could influence. They have it. some insane amount of knowledge about how the world works. And maybe right. that's just through their simulations. You know, they've like they've simulated the world so many millions, billions even more than that, maybe times that Carl is able to have an understanding of how the world works. But I guess there's still so much chaos in the world that right. they don't know necessarily exactly what's going to happen. Like there are still things are still left up to chance. Yeah. And this endeavor with April is just the most likely to succeed. Right. And even through all these millions of simulations, Carl still isn't 100% certain that their plan's going to work. It's just the most likely to succeed. Right. So, yeah, it's it's very interesting. And that brings me to another question that we had last week. We have a little bit more information now. We have a second book of good times. Mm. Where are those books coming from? Who wrote them? What's the purpose of them? Are there more books of good times? Travis, answer all my questions. What's going on? As usual, you ask all the great questions, and I have pretty much no answers. <laughs> <laughs> Essentially, yes, we've seen this second book. They both really seem to be written from April, but we have chapters of April writing and we have Maya directly interacting with April. And so far, at least, there hasn't been any discussion of April being behind these books. I wonder, right, of course, another option is that Carl is writing these books just with somehow some knowledge of what April is thinking, and maybe the Carls have interconnected to April's conscious, right, through this link, and they kind of know how April would describe certain events. So in my mind, it has to be either April or the Carl or some combination of the two that are writing these books. Beyond that, I have no answers for any of your other questions. But Come I, on, I, Travis, I was really excited. answer my question. I was really excited to see a second book of good times. I hope there are more. I know at least Andy's going to keep interacting with his copy. Because he's getting rich as heck. <laughs> that dude's got like $100 million now or something like that. Some insane amount of money over a very short amount of time. Uh, yeah, it's it seems like my guess right now is that Carl is the one who has written these books. Why do you say that? Because they're written with 
knowledge of how things are going to play out. Mm. And unless there's some time travel aspect of something where April goes into the future, sees how all the events led to where they are now and writes a book and sends it back in time, which I'm not putting that out of possibilities. Anything can happen in this world because this book is crazy. But it seems more likely to me that Carl has simulated this so many times Right. that a factor within the simulation is if you nudge Andy in this direction, if you nudge Maya in this direction, things will play out in certain ways. So that's my guess is that Carl has crafted these books i like that guess seems yeah. reasonable to me what is the grand overarching i mean i know big picture the overarching plan of carl is to save humanity save our interconnectedness of ideas and consciousness but i have no idea how our ragtag group of friends is enabling that process to take place <laughs> And I'm really excited to see see how this progresses. Any leading guesses or hypotheses, Jamie? Well, I have a guess that's just coming to me now based on this conversation we've been having. Um, what if everything going on at Altus is part of Carl's plan? Mm. What if his way of saving humanity is sending humanity into cyberspace and crafting a way in which all of our consciousnesses can exist in an inorganic form that will persist indefinitely Wow! relative to our puny little organic bodies that just keep on dying all over the place. So upload all of our consciousnesses onto some big cloud. Yeah. The Altus space, if you will. Altus space. Should we talk a little bit about the Altus space? We should. We should talk about Miranda applying for the job, getting accepted, meeting up with PP. Crazy interaction there. Tell, telling PP that she hates him. Yeah. <laughs> that he's a coward and she pitied him for being a, a little bitch boy. Um, and then they give her a job. And they get, <laughs> yeah. And then Miranda takes it. Yeah. Well, she didn't have a choice. Well, I guess, did she have a choice? I think she had a choice. I mean, I don't know exactly what would have happened if she said no, but she signed her contract. She agreed to right stay on campus for the next year yeah. without leaving. It's unclear as to whether she actually is going to follow through or if she has plans to follow through with that. But she at least right initially agrees to those contract and the terms of that. Um, and then as part of her orientation process, along with her other two new friends, they put on this virtual reality like headset right and they go into the altus space yeah uh, or at least two of them do um at one of them right we, they go on to describe how they have a unpleasant <laughs> experience <laughs> also the the nicknames that they have at altus is so funny the nicknames are really there, good i was laughing out loud uh during that chapter where they're talking about diggles is miranda's name and then she immediately goes and gets uh, the nicknames for the other guys uh, who I can't remember at the moment. Oh, wait, where is it? Oh, it was Captain Sippy Cup. <laughs> oh, that's what it was. <laughs> Captain Sippy Cup and Lil Peanut. Yeah. <laughs> Hilarious. Given uh, that you loved that uh, way of referring to people, do you want to share with us, Jamie, your first username so that we can refer to you oh, that's by a, that for that's the a remainder good of this podcast episode? Yeah. Uh, my first username, believe it or not, was Travis's best friend. Oh, my God. Yeah. Why are you lying? Because <laughs> I don't remember my first username. That's a lie. You it's, know you it's do. It's not a lie. I promise you. What was your first the platform that you needed a username for? Ooh, probably that 
You remember the Penguin game? What's no. the Penguin game? Club Penguin? Club Penguin, yeah. You remember Club Penguin? I never played Club Penguin. I don't even know what it was, but I just have a vague memory of little penguins, and I have no idea what my username was. I have a terrible memory, Travis. I'm sorry. I wish I could What's remember. What's the first username that think, you remember then? Uh, I, I think it was probably something like Soccer Boy. Nice. Yeah. What was yours? I wish it was something fun, but I will refer to you for the remainder of this episode as Soccer Boy. Yeah. <laughs> I think mine, I think my first platform that I needed a username for was Yahoo because I remember wanting to play Yahoo Pool. Oh. Did you play Yahoo Pool? No. Do you know what I'm talking about? No. I assume it's a computer billiards game. Yeah. But it's like Yahoo, like the email. Yeah. You know, they had chess, checkers, pool. I was super into pool. And my username was wild followed by my zip. Which is? I'm not going to share my so we can personal all find information <laughs> on the podcast. My username was my social security number. So that's seven two seven six five five one one one. All right, soccer boy, where should we? What should we talk about next? You tell me, wild man. <laughs> I, I think I want to talk a little bit more about the Altus space. Yeah, they've got some general. crazy stuff going on. So. Give us a a little recap, Jamie. We figured out what they were doing. They've been collecting all these scientists and engineers working on all sorts of different areas of research from AI to biology to Miranda's expertise of interfacing um, biological systems with computational systems. And turns out they they have found the link that Carl created to link our minds, our consciousnesses to some sort of collective computational network. And now they're using that in some way that I don't fully understand, in part because it's sci-fi, to create a new version of the dream. Right. So apparently people miss the dream so much that PP thinks that he can probably become super rich if he can provide a new version of the dream, a better version of the dream, in which... I imagine people will be able to do whatever they want, you know, kind of create their own dream worlds. It seems intense and crazy. I don't I don't really know what their goal is. It's unclear to me as well. Uh, in general, like you had said, it seems like people really miss the dream. And that seems at least like some of the motivation in creating this. I think, I mean, if something like this came out today in our world, I imagine people would be very excited about being able to go into this virtual reality um, world. I mean, the way I see this is like, it's kind of like the metaverse, but like version 40. Yeah. Right. Where it's so much more realistic and lifelike um, that when you do it incorrectly, it's a completely disorienting and they called it an unpleasant experience, right? For- <laughs> That's the name of the third book. <laughs> a remarkably unpleasant, unpleasant experience. experience. <laughs> I love that. Um, but one of the reasons I bring that up is because I have something to ponder with you, Jamie. Oh, individual. I believe it was Lil Peanut, right? Who struggled with connecting his consciousness to the Altus dream space. Yes. Um, I wonder if that's going to be crucial down the line. And I wonder if Lil Peanut or anyone who wasn't able to successfully connect with the Altus space I wonder if they never had the dream to begin with because they're using the same link supposedly, right? And I wonder if that's going to be interesting at all or not. They make this point, right, that some people, it's rare, but some people 
who work at Altus can't connect. And then they probably will never be able to. I don't think, I feel like if it was people who had not had the dream, I feel like we would have known about that. We would have heard about it. Because especially people working at Altus, working at this sort of thing where there's these like theories about trying to reconnect the dream. Like Miranda had this conversation on the private jet with Lil Peanut and Captain Sippy Cup about their theories about this thing. So I, I feel like if one of them had not been a part of the dream we would have found Mm -hmm. that out but that is a very good get like that that certainly could be the case if the those biological linkers that carl had inserted in us uh, are not present in those people then what happens yeah maybe they're immune to whatever's gonna happen i don't particularly know yeah and then if my theory is correct that we're sending everybody into the cyber world Mm -hmm. all our consciousnesses get uh saved to some hard drive somewhere what happens to these people who can't connect do they just is there a genocide of people who are unable to connect wow i had not considered this option me neither until right now when you brought that up are you left to be some type of outcast in society if you can't interact in the altus space yeah does now all of like does the world basically exist just for the purpose of being in the altus space and the real world is just like the the backup plan or the periphery of what true human existence is well if it gets moved to altus space that sounds like a very uh dark right dysutopian uh spin of this story is there a possible i think there is but you maybe elaborate as to what you think a optimistic uh happy (laughs) spin (laughs) on this is like essentially i guess rephrasing my question in another way what do you think the carls were doing with the dream and if it is positive how could they how could the carls how could this be part of their master plan to use this altar space to get that positive effect that they want back out yeah um did that, did that question make sense i don't think that i articulated that well uh i stopped listening halfway through but i think i get the gist <laughs> your turn to talk Jamie. <laughs> Thanks, wild man. Uh, <laughs> I yeah, I had questions about um, the dream, but I'll ask you in a second because I'll try to answer, or at least we can talk about your your question. Two questions. I'll break it down. First one: Do you think there's some type of positive spin mm. that could be put on the use of the Altus space, whether by the Carls or just by you know the team working at Altus? But I guess most specifically by the Carls. Do you think there's some kind of positive? spin of uploading our consciousnesses and interacting in this altered space i think so let's see let's see what is positive about remove removing human consciousness from the physical body do you still continue to be a human being if you are uploaded into alta space i mean miranda still had all of her senses she felt herself. She was standing there. She was naked. She was like, I need some clothes in this virtual world. So she still has like some level of human emotions of embarrassment and self-consciousness right. to feel while she's in that world. Um, but at the same time, it feels like it's, it's stealing something away from life to make it artificial like that. So I don't know how to, how to make it. Oh, here's a positive spin. Uh, you can remove all sorts of problems from the world if you can uh, like starvation doesn't have to be a thing that exists in altus space you can 
create a world in which there's enough resources for everybody within it. Uh, those sorts of things, wouldn't, I think, could po- potentially be a positive spin. I don't that know. That would be if we had solely the Altus space and not our physical bodies, though. Because at the moment, at least, True. you need to maintain your physical body to be into the Altus space. Until but I the wonder upload if just, is complete. Right. I wonder if they're just going to progress their technology enough that... I hadn't really considered what you had said where we're going to formally upload our consciousness, so to speak, yeah. to the Alta space. I hadn't really considered that as an option. Neither had I until, until we started talking. Um, yeah, there's a lot of crazy stuff going on. And I was wondering the same question you were asking of like bringing back the idea of the dream. What was Carl's plan with the dream? Like now that we know where the dream was leading right. to, or I guess we don't know where the dream was leading to, but we know where the dream came from. Carl is here. He's doing this thing with the intention of saving humanity. Why did he put us through this? Was he intending to enhance the collective unifying power of working together to solve problems? Or was he using this as just a way of dipping our toes in the water of a hyper-conscious world? Or was this a real-life simulation that or was it a real life gave simulation? the Carl's information on how we communicated with each other? That's one of the key questions that I am interested in beginning to answer as we progress um, in the book. What is We know Carl's intentions, right, is to quote-unquote save humanity and our ideas and everything that flows from that. But what was the intentional purpose behind the dream? And how are we going to see this altered, or excuse me, this altus space parallel or contrast from or foil the dream, right? Like yeah. th- that interplay between those two things, I think is going to be crucial. And hopefully we can get some more answers as we keep reading. And is altus space what Carl was alluding to when he said, that he's going to cause so much pain for humanity. Do you think this Altus space is using the exact same link, so to speak, that the dream was using? Or do you think there's some kind of uh, subpar workaround that the Altus space is leveraging that wasn't true to how the original dream was working? That could be. And that's what's causing maybe the right. vom- vomiting is right. they're not quite doing it perfectly. Right. Yeah. I don't know. Lots of unanswered questions. There's so here. many unanswered questions. So we've talked a lot about the plot and we're, we got theories. We got theories all over the place, but who knows? It's all very confusing and complicated and there's so many possibilities of what could happen. But what we do know and what we can talk about concretely a little bit is about some of these characters. Maya, Miranda, Andy, they're all going through some crazy shit in their lives. Um, specifically, Miranda is going through a very intense situation of he's now joining this place. She's unsure of what to do throughout most of these chapters. Um, there's a quote here from kind of the beginning of our reading when she was discussing whether or not she was going to apply and uh, eventually take the job at Altus. She's uh, speaking with Maya, who once again... Maya is always insightful, always understands everything people are doing. She's like a, a an interpersonal genius. She says, talking about applying for this job, she says, and do you think this is the kind of thing that Miranda Beckwith would do? Or is this the kind of thing April May would do? And Miranda's like, oh, you got me there. <laughs> that was good. I am, uh, I guess I'm trying to just be April May, which 
Miranda's definitely being way more bold in pretty much all of her actions. But four, I mean, to some extent, she has received sound advice, both from her PhD advisor, from Maya. But still, we see Miranda just telling PP straight to his face that essentially she doesn't particularly like him. Um, we see her doing these very daring things, right, with interviewing, taking a job at Altus. To some extent, I'm enjoying seeing Miranda being way more confident and really trying to, I don't want to say make her a more critical part of this story, but we see her becoming a more critical part of the story. And I'm just happy that she's much more confident. Um, I wish that confidence came with a little less reckless abandon. But hey, I mean, history isn't made by someone being super cautious. So. <laughs> what a quote. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I think it's a very interesting direction that Miranda's character is going because I think she's obviously learned from her time with April and she's taking on some of April's characteristics of recklessness, of confidence or at least of portraying confidence, even if right. she doesn't feel it truly within herself. But I think she's uh, taking these characteristics and using them in a less harmful way than April did. Like April, right. as we've discussed, ruined every relationship she had with every person she ever knew, essentially. And Miranda is putting herself in danger, but she's not putting other people in danger. She's not, and she's also not like ruining her relationships with other people. She still is. I guess, being respectful of others. She cares about her relationships that she has with her PhD advisor. She is trying to kind of build a stronger friendship with Maya until she goes off the grid, of course. But I think she's going in a very interesting direction as far as being a little bit more of a cavalier world saver. Yeah. Should we talk a little bit about Maya? We should talk a little bit about Maya. What have you seen be similar or different about Maya? I was surprised this doesn't answer your question i was just surprised how little she reacted to april mm. being alive and being half stone right i think to some extent there was some other stuff to focus on like april yelling drive drive yeah. you know <laughs> and a magic book that led her to that perfect spot in space and time what do you think about my in these chapters it, the, the one thing that sticks out in my mind is maya says she really thought April was alive. She really believed that. But she didn't really believe that she was ever going to find her. And so I think to some extent, maybe she's still just in shock, yeah. right? As as to <laughs> what is going on. I mean, we've only seen them interact for, I don't know, an exact timeline, but maybe a few hours after they first see each other. That's the extent of time that, and I think shock can last, right? For that extended period of time, especially when you're on the run. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so I really hope we see Maya describe these more personal conversations with April and diving into all these obvious questions that we have about their existence and their relationship. Um, yeah. Does that answer your question? Yeah. I just want to know what, what how you felt about the those sections, because Maya, I think, was my uh, maybe not my favorite character from the first book, but she was the character that I liked the most from the first book. For sure. Um, and I still like her. I think she's very interesting, but I do think it'll be really nice to have April and Maya back together and to now have, oh, it's going to be very interesting to have this relationship moving forward to see what happens. Because all we had in the first book, right, we've talked a lot about how April was a terrible partner to Maya and how April was always closed off. She was never allowing herself to be fully into the relationship. She was 
keeping Maya at arm's length at all time. She wasn't her girlfriend. She was her roommate. They were roommates. <laughs> and now April as now they're on the run together. Now they're they're on the run together. But April once again has become what she fears and what she hated about herself. She is now physically incapable of feeling emotions to the mm. same extent that a normal human would. So now her relationship with Maya is likely going to be similar in that Maya is feeling all these emotions that a normal person would and feeling the love that she has for April. And April is maybe maybe now April's willing to feel that same love and willing to accept the relationship with Maya as more than roommates, but now she's physically incapable of doing that. How brutal is that? That is brutal. It seems that like she's still able to feel some emotions. Just nowhere near to the extent that she was. They're always dulled. Is, is that right? Yeah, I think so. Hmm. Like she always seems to be like whenever she gets excited or scared or angry, she gets brought back down to equilibrium. Yeah. So I think that's going to be very interesting. That'll be a very interesting interplay in their relationship. Um, maybe that's helpful. I know April, of course, does not like feeling that way. That's so much different. Maybe that's helpful. Maybe it's harmful. Maybe it's a little bit of both at different times. Yeah, I don't know. Because- the thing that Maya disliked most about April was her the the fact that April wasn't willing to be open and emotional. Right. And now April is unable to be open and emotional. So how is Maya gonna react to that? Right. How is April but, gonna react to that? I think it's gonna be very interesting to have those dynamics moving forward at the with these two characters. They're really gonna have to rely on each other a lot as they're on the run. Um, let's talk a little bit about what they're on the run from. The fish. Presumably, they're on the run from both the players of the reality game Fish. And I think also April's on the run from Carl to some extent. You seemed angry she and did. stormed out. Yeah. Should we talk about the players or the creators of the game Fish? And if we think that relates to the Carl, what do you think? I... Is there a connection there? Because this whoever's organizing the Fish is knowing a lot of very critical information about the whereabouts of both Maya and April. Yeah. Is this part of the Carl's plan? That's I'm always going back to assuming that anyone with this sort of information is Carl. Like the Book of Good Times has this omniscient view of the world. Right. Gotta be Carl. The fish is the same thing. So I, I've been assuming that Carl is the one setting all this stuff up. For what purpose? I don't know. It's honestly just so hard to predict. There's so many unanswered <laughs> questions. Do you have any other thoughts about the fish? Uh, well, I hate that the players of the fish are like not knowing how to be human <laughs> in the sense that, you know, they're, you know, borderline, if not like harassed. Maya at the Cowtown flea market, um, we see in this section of reading that they pull over Maya and they're arresting her. Although they did say they expected that they were that they thought April and Maya were just going to go along with it. Like they thought it was kind of part of the game. So in that sense, I'm not really like holding too much against these police officer players because they thought it was part of the game. But also you got to realize like you can't let your job interfere <laughs> with the game. Um, however, right. Anyway, um, I lost my train of thought. Sorry. <laughs> these beers are kicking in. Yeah, this is not Shout out to the victory golden monkey. My beer is empty. This is devastating. Um, yeah, I think this is part of Carl's plan because now that Carl, man, I don't know. It's all very confusing. But Carl can now use the players of Fish 
as his as they're bidding to do to do yeah similar like he was using the monkey he can use the players of the fish without like actively mind controlling them the way that he mind controls the monkey that's because he's not allowed through technology yeah wow that's good because carl's not allowed to you know mind control and force humans to do things right the same way that they can mind control they can mind and force control. monkeys they can mind control monkeys and remember they made that explicit difference yeah because april was like why are you taking the form of a monkey right like why not just like use a human and they were like we both recognize that that's not okay yeah because monkeys are dumb that's <laughs> right you heard it here first folks <laughs> monkeys are dumb um that's a good point in that the Carls are using humans to potentially do their bidding through the use of this fish reality game. And I obviously that was an option in my mind, but I feel more confident in that hypothesis after speaking with you. They're, the Carls are the only explanation for something that knows this level of detail or April, but presumably it's not April trying to convince people to pull over herself that she's actively on the run from. So presumably it's the Carls, right? They're the only other thing that has this access to this level of information. Yeah, and he can use humans to do their bidding while still allowing the humans to have free will and able to act on their own accord right? while just being kind of nudged in a certain direction by Carl. Heavy nudging. (laughs) That should be the name of our podcast. A heavy nudging. Heavy nudging. Should we talk about the Carl's taste in music? Carl loves music, dude. Carl, also Carl was born in 1987 or something like. I think it was 1979. Very recently Carl was born. I actually tried to do a little bit of investigative journalism. I looked at the date that Carl was born on several websites. I could not find anyone of note to me. That was also born at that date or any kind of historical significance that might sci-fi related. But I did a lot of looking. And if there was a little Easter egg that Hank Green dropped in there about this date and I missed it, I'll be so upset at myself because I felt like that was something that Hank Green would do. And I looked thoroughly into that. Yeah, I I I assumed it was a special date because if you're going to put a specific date in a book like this, it's got to mean something. He did at some point say something about like a top 10 hit that was out on that date, which is maybe why he used that specific date. What is Hank Green's birthday? I don't know. Should we Google it? Should we see if- Should I use my brainwaves to- You you should April May style just intuitively know, um, because maybe that day is, maybe Carl is Hank Green, which would go along with my theory from last week that- Hank Green has been specifically sending us messages through this book, Travis, treating this book like the Book of Good Times, because yet again this week, wild man, we have messages directed towards us specifically. Do we? In this book, both of our names were mentioned. I am the father of April. I you do remember are that. April May's daddy. Who's... <laughs> okay. <laughs> I don't know if I remember the name Jamie being mentioned, though. Did and, I miss you? Um, Derek's son or daughter is named Jamie. I thought their name was Rose. There's two of them. Oh, um, I missed that. One of them is Jamie, spelled differently, but still. But more importantly, the uh, the person who administers 
the Altus Space mm. Test. Right. Dr. Claire. Dr. Claire. Yeah, that was nice. I'm hearing you loud and clear, Hank Green. <laughs> I'm reading your messages. If you're trying to speak to me from the future, I'm hearing it. Okay? So in the next chapter, just tell me what you need me to do. And tell I'll him do where it. to invest his money so that he can become a millionaire. <laughs> Maybe he has. Maybe we need to do what Andy's been doing. You got to go back and start rereading. Oh. <laughs> Okay, starting tomorrow, I'm going to take all my money. I'm going to put it in whatever that investment that Andy put it in. I hear you, Hank Green. I'm listening. We're here. (laughs) You have now reached level five fame divinity because you are my God, Hank Green. (laughs) That was very fun, though. Within a few pages of each other, both of our names were mentioned. That was pretty good. What does it mean? It means that you're about to become a millionaire. And it apparently means I have a long lost cyborg daughter that <laughs> I need to go on the on the hunt for. <laughs> it's what you've always wanted. <laughs> that was that was your first username. Long lost cyborg daughter. <laughs> I hope you find your long lost cyborg daughter one day. If you're out there, right into the podcast. And- <laughs> Come meet your father. If you're out there, hack into my computer. (laughs) Meet me in the dream space at the Arby's. That's our meeting point. Yeah. I am glad that Hank Green is speaking directly towards to us in this book. I feel honored. I feel privileged. And I can't wait to take over the world, which is, I assume, what he wants. Thoughts? I look forward to your imminent takeover. Thank you. You should probably just start calling me King at this point. King Claire? Anything? Oh, that, doesn't, oh, that doesn't sound very good. Emperor Claire. That sounds better. Emperor Soccer Boy? <laughs> Anything else we should discuss from this section of reading? Yeah, Emperor Soccer Boy. I like that. <laughs> That's a good username for the future. Not for the past, but for the future. <laughs> That's how I'll be introducing myself every episode of this podcast. I am looking forward in the next section of reading. I'm looking forward to learning a little bit more about the connection between the dream and the Altus space. Um, I'm looking also to know a little bit more about how specifically April's brain has been altered, to what extent um, that is beneficial uh, to April. Um, I don't know. I'm looking forward to exploring that. I'm also looking forward to this just bigger, grandiose plan that Carl has and how they are going to be saving humanity, essentially. How are they behind each of these pieces of the puzzle that we see moving? And how is this going to maybe start to begin... start to come to some type of resolution. I know we're about halfway through. There's probably going to be a bit more tension and a bit more craziness that happens, but I'm looking to try and start to tie these pieces together and make some at least connections um, between different pieces of the puzzle. Yeah. What are you looking and, forward to in the next, you know, second half-ish of the book? Well, I'm looking forward to, since we've been talking, a lot of these new ideas have come up of the relationship between Maya and April, I think is going to be very interesting moving forward in April's new state. And there are just so many questions, so many questions. The last sentence that we read yeah. was Carl saying that he's going to cause humanity a lot of pain. So to leave on that type of cliffhanger is uh, very tempting. I feel like what I'm going to do as soon as we stop this podcast episode is read the next few chapters. 
because I'm quite curious. Getting a head start. Um, I love it. Uh, which is what everybody should do. All of you out there listening to the Reading Glasses Book Club, thank you for tuning into this episode. On the next episode, I believe we'll be reading roughly to page 300. Yes, we will be reading pages 204 through page 300. So at that point, hopefully we get a few more answers. We'll have a few more questions. We'll have a whole bunch to discuss in next week's episode of the Reading Glasses Book Club. So thank you all for joining us. Uh, I'm having so much fun with this, buddy. This is fantastic. I'm having a lot of fun too. What's better than reading books and talking about it? Drinking a beer while you read a book and talk about it. Amen. (laughs) Write to us if you have any recommendations of future drinks to correspond to next week's reading. Oh, yes. Write to us if you would like to apply to be our intern. Which requires setting up the mic and using a bottle opener to open up the beverage. Sometimes we have fancier drinks that you need to mix. True, true, true. So true. highly trained bartender will, that is will, a perk. If you want to know how to put your application above and beyond, show us some bartending experience. <laughs> and um, what else? What else? What else? I feel like I had some. Oh, yeah. Give us, if you have some recommendations for books we should read as... We're halfway through this book. We'll be looking for more books for the future of the Reading Glasses Book Club. Yes. Um, So if you have some book suggestions for us, a book that maybe you've been wanting to read and you want to read along with us, we'd love to hear your suggestions and let us know what you think about this book. Yes. Let us know what you think about the podcast as well. If you've enjoyed listening to the podcast, give us a five-star review either on Spotify or on Apple Podcasts. We would greatly appreciate it. Yeah, that would be wonderful. Share with your friends. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, threads. <laughs> I don't know about the threads, but we'll make it what make it there one day. We'll eventually be on threads. And uh, go meet us in the Altus space. At the Arby's. At the Arby's in the Altus space. Do you think you can go into Altus space and then go to sleep and have a dream within Altus space? I hope so. Me too. Altus space inception. <gasps> Altusception. Real question. If they, if right now, I know we were just wrapping up the episode, but we'll end it here with your answer to this how question. Many, before you ask the question, don't okay. forget it. But how many people do you think clicked away from this podcast as we started wrapping down? Oh, definitely most people. Okay. So like two people are listening right now? Yeah. Okay. Perfect. To, to the t- Hi, mom. <laughs> <laughs> also, hi, my mom. <laughs> All right, to the moms in the audience, here's your your last kind of bonus nugget of of the podcast. Uh, (laughs) If the Altus space was real and you had no idea that like evil PP was behind it. (laughs) (laughs) Evil PP. Would you go into the Altus space? I think the answer has to be yes. Yeah. It's like saying, would you go into, again, Metaverse version 40? Would you go into that? Yeah. yeah. That would be fascinating. I wanted to ask you that earlier, and then we talked about too many other interesting things, but it would be so cool. What would you do in the Alta space, assuming you had like control over what the environment was? Is there some somewhere that you would want to? I don't know. I'd probably just fly around like a bird. (laughs) I don't know. I mean, I don't know what, what... I don't know what's possible, really. What Anything's would, possible. What would you do? I would start a podcast with my friend Travis. Wow. So cheesy. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Go read a book. <laughs>